Welcome to the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast brought to you by Torch Technologies. In this podcast, you will learn about all things Torch, from its history to its culture, employee ownership, commitment to the warfighter, our community involvement, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and stay connected with Torch by following us on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Today, I sit down to talk with Don Holder, co-founder of Torch Technologies. First off, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. So before we get kind of diving into Torch and it kind of first becoming a company in 2002, I want to talk a little bit about your background. You have your bachelor's in mathematics from Jacksonville State and your electrical engineering degree from Michigan. What originally brought you to Huntsville originally? I know you're from the Jacksonville area, but what what originally brought you to Huntsville at the time? Well, what brought me to Huntsville was since I was in high school, I wanted to be an engineer. Okay. And I wanted to work at Redstone Arsenal. (laughs) And I had read an article about General Madaris, who was here then. Okay. What kind of fellow he was. And I said, that's what I wanted to do. Okay, perfect. So did you see other family members of yours at the time, engineers, or did you just know that Huntsville is where engineers go and you wanted to go there and engineering That's, was it? It was me. Okay, really. Around what year did you first come to Huntsville? Uh, I came to Huntsville in 1961. And then you kind of began your career on Redstone Arsenal at the time? Right. We were talking about it a little bit off air, but you got your master's in electrical engineering from Michigan. Talk a little bit about how that came about. Well, I was working for the government at the time, for the Army. Missile Command, and the University of Michigan at that time had programs for government-associated personnel. Okay. For example, they had one of the space flights, all three astronauts had gone through the Michigan program. Wow. And they had a competition. We had to submit our resumes and our... (laughs) All their credentials. Right. (laughs) And I was picked. Wow. As one. So then you were able to kind of pursue that at Michigan and get your electrical engineering master's? Right. And we had a office on campus and everything. It was So you, you kind great. of balanced between your work and your school at the time, I guess, but you were able to all kind of do it in one place? No, I, I moved to Ann Arbor. Wow. I didn't work here okay. anymore. So and I how, had a job when I got through. But okay. I, and so how long were you in Ann Arbor for that stint to get your master's? A little over a year. Okay. And then you came back and you continued to work at the same job you had? Well, yeah, I moved up from some of the stuff. Okay. And so I know that you first kind of met Bill while you were at Nichols. You were both at Nichols. I think you were a vice president there at the time. And Bill's a little bit younger than you. So you kind of got to know Bill at that time at Nichols. Talked a little bit about what your first impressions of Bill was at Nichols. Well, I knew he was well-liked and he was very energetic. And Chris Horgan called on him to... Do a lot of things. Okay. He, he moved around. Yeah. To and, Albuquerque, I think. Wow. And also, he served Nichols in D.C. area for a Okay. While. And so, did, did you primarily, were you pretty much only in Huntsville for Nichols, or did you move around too for Nichols? No, I didn't move around. I okay. Was here. And you've pretty much since, I guess, coming back from Ann Arbor, you've been in Huntsville ever since. Right. Okay. So, you, you get to know Bill at Nichols. Nichols eventually, in the early 2000s, gets bought. And so I know that at that point, I've you know heard the story with from Bill. They've kind of broke apart a little bit of what Nichols was already doing, at least company wise. And that's when it, the kind of the conversations kind of started with Bill about starting their own company. I know that from the stories, uh, it took a little bit to convince you to do Torch. 
I know Bill was often having meetings with you at Rolos, talking right. a lot about this idea for Torch. What was sort of your thoughts at that time about this, hey, so let's start a new company, and what was sort of your hesitations? Well, the main hesitation I had, I had made a decision to retire. Okay. I worked for the government, took an early out, and went to work at Nichols. And when I first did that, I planned to work four or five years, then retire, but I, that didn't work out that way. <laughs> I wound up working at Nichols from uh, 1989 till whenever it was sold. Wow. Yeah, four or five years became 15, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I was working about 10 hours a week on my way out. Me and my wife had plans to travel some <laughs> and everything, and, and that was a confusion for me, I'd been planning to retire, and all of a sudden, Bill hits me up <laughs> with this opportunity. And it was actually my wife that convinced me. To do it? Yeah. And it was in a roundabout way, but she told me. I was telling her, I, don't, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. And everything. <laughs> she said, well, there's this only one requirement I have of you. If you don't do it in two or three years, you regret it. I don't want to hear a word about it. <laughs> so I said, Okay, I better go. Yeah. And so you officially kind of made the decision, and I remember reading it on the website, but on your way to the University of Oklahoma for an Alabama football game, right. you finally accepted Bill's offer to join the startup in early September 2002. Right. And so that's you kind of made that jump, and then in October 2nd or so of 2022 is when y'all officially launched Torch Technologies. And I know at the beginning, there was a spot on the website too, you know, where at the beginning, y'all in your first little office, I think it was off of Drake Avenue. It was the um, first commercial bank at the okay. time. And the day before you're like, I guess, going to start working, you didn't even have desks in the building yet mm. for people to work. What were those conversations like with these engineers that you were bringing on that, hey, we're starting this startup. You should join us. We don't even have desk yet, but you should trust that we're going to do this thing. Do you remember those conversations and what those were like? Yeah, I just told the people that I worked with for a long time what I was going to do. Yeah. What we planned to do, what we planned for the company to be. And I wanted them to be a part of it. And that was it. Yeah. And so was a lot of the initial first hires that you brought on were people that you had met throughout your work at Nichols and oh, through yeah. your work at maybe other jobs? Mm -hmm. Okay. Since Nichols was the last job you had prior to Torch, how did Nichols sort of prepare it, you? Well, for, it wasn't. It wasn't. Like, okay. I s stayed with CSC for a couple of months. I had a friend that talked me into coming over to Cass. I worked there. Cass didn't have the same reputation or standing in the community at the time mm -hmm. that uh, Nichols did, but I learned a lot of lessons how to do things. And I was quite successful at CAS, but I wanted something more like, I guess, Nichols. And I didn't see any way to do it. So I was just said, I'm ready. I'm going to retire. Yeah. I guess you were able to kind of see through your different careers that you had at different organizations and companies, kind of what you like to see in a company. And yeah. you were able to use those when you started Torch to make sure it was what you wanted to see. Right. And I know a big part of these conversations on the podcast is this ESOP. Talk a little bit about sort of why you and Bill were so passionate about forming a company that would be an employee-owned company. The thing for me, and I'm sure it was for Bill as well, was I wanted the employees to share in the growth of the company. If we had growth, I wanted them to, because they're really what generated growth. For sure. So they need to share in them benefits of that. Yeah. That was a big thing for me. Yeah. I mean, and, and at I the know time. it was for Bill as well. For sure. So we and, agreed totally on employee ownership. Yeah. I mean, at the time, employee-owned companies and ESOPs were a fairly 
unique thing for the Huntsville area. There really wasn't too, too many of them. I know that the implementation of being a 100% employee owned, you know, took some time. I think I read that in 2004, your employee stock option became into effect. And in May of 2004, the company reached 50 employees, but you still really weren't that 100% employee owned. Right. What was that feeling like when you did get that 100% employee owned? Because I don't, I don't think it didn't take too, too long for that 100% employee ownership to come into effect. Do you remember that moment where you're like, well, the Torch Technologies is a 100% employee owned? Well, it made me feel good that we'd finally achieved a goal that yeah. we'd set out to do. And I think it helped us from that point on. It helped recruiting a whole lot easier because we had something more than <laughs> just come here and we got some neat work. Mm-hmm. For you to do. And I guess in the early years when you first started going, you and Bill were both able to kind of use your connections to kind of help, you know, those for the industry that y'all are in, contracts and government contracts are really the make or break. I know I've talked with Bill about, you know, there's sometimes you kind of bet the company on a contract where it could really skyrocket the growth. And fortunately, Torch was able to see that where you're able to kind of put all your eggs in one basket and say, if we get this, we can make this happen and we can really elevate. I mean, we'd be here all day if we read every single stat and every single growth number for Torch. But some of the ones I think that are super interesting that I pulled from that I want to mention real quick is that, and so in August of 2007, that's when you made the Inc. 5000 for the first time. I think you all ranked 818 overall, fastest growing private defense contractor in the Southeast, and you were number eight in the defense contractors category. In 2007, you were named Small Business of the Year by the Chamber of Commerce and Technology category. In November 2008, you were named the Large Business of the Year by Alabama Technology Association. And then in March of 2011, you passed $1 billion in awarded prime contracts slash task ordering ceiling. Looking at all these achievements, and like I said, the list could go on and on and on. And you were able to look at all these achievements that you've really kind of, you did in seven years. I mean, from 2002 to 2009, there's a lot that happened. Is it surreal to think back on that, to think of how quickly the growth happened? Or do you think the growth on your perspective happened kind of organically? I was very well pleased, but I was surprised that we had achieved the goals that fast. Because yeah. early on, we set very low <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess exceeded them from day one. Yeah. And I mean, starting your first day of operation and not having desks to then seven years later to achieving all of that. I mean, that's pretty incredible to see. Right. And then in 2011, which is kind of the next big milestone, I would say it was that when the first 100% employee ownership came into effect, I think it was like December 2011. So, I mean, in a short nine years, you had a lot that happened. You went from a small little office in downtown to where, or in, in, off Drake to then quickly growing in size and growing in reputation here in the Huntsville community. When did you first sort of see that when you would talk about torch technologies to people in the community or friends of yours that you knew that maybe didn't work there, that people started recognizing the name and recognizing what y'all were doing? I had people come to me and say, notice torch one another contract (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And I felt good about, not about me, but I felt good that the company was known in Huntsville. Yeah. A lot of people started knowing about and I had people coming up to me and saying, way to go, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that's incredible to, to think about just as far as in a short amount of time you grew this company to the employees really grew the company. I mean, the employee owners, the employees that you had brought on, these employee owners that had bought into something when you were a 10 and 15 person company to probably in 2009, 2010, you were hundreds of employees. And so that's just incredible to see that that culture that you and Bill both wrote down on napkins and Rolos and game planned, hey, here's what this company Torch Technologies is going to be. To see that flourish is incredible to even think about. And I couldn't imagine it from your perspective when you were just thinking a few years earlier that you were going to (laughs) retire. Right. 
And so at what point as Torch is growing, did you think maybe the retirement is something that you want to do? Like, when did that switch kind of happen again that you're like, hey, I think I'm ready to actually retire and be kind of step out from Torch and just continue to let Bill and Torch continue to grow and be successful, but I'm ready to retire finally? Well, that was hard, to be honest with you. Really? I didn't want to. And some days I still wish I could. <laughs> just come in and work a little bit. Right. Yeah. Because I never had a job that I hated. I had jobs that I wouldn't want to do forever, but <laughs> this place was one that I wanted to spend the rest of my career on, and I really didn't want to retire, but it was time. And yeah. then, I mean, what's it like now to kind of still see Torch growing? I mean, recently celebrated 20th anniversary. I mean, it's been in the last year. What's it like now from your perspective to see Torch continuing to grow? And I mean, you had a hand in making it be successful and grow. I'm grateful and I'm very happy for the employees that they have accomplished so much. Yeah. It's still unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. But in my mind, and I think in the community's mind, Torch is the company to set the standard. Yeah. And there's continuously been things over the last year that have upped just its commitment to the culture that you've created, the commitment to the employee owners that you and Bill envisioned in 2002. There's things that are happening even today. I mean, we recently just had Bill on talking about being a public benefit corp. I mean, there's these things that are being in place that are showing that Torch is wanting to be here forever. Torch is wanting to be a part of this community. I mean, a big part of the company is it's giving back. It's philanthropic efforts within the Torch Helps. It's nonprofit that it gives back to the local. How important was that? And was that something that you and Bill envisioned when you first started the company? Actually, the Torch Helps came about from the employees. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that came from CAS. Okay. From our really? That CAS, they had something called CAS Cares. That was the same sort of 5013C kind yeah. of thing? Okay. And I don't know if at CAS the employees controlled it, but we set it up where it was employee controlled. Yes. That made a huge difference in the attitude of people. They gave to people that they selected yeah. to give to. Yeah. They did a lot of good. For sure. And I mean, still are. Yes, it's incredible. We we recently had three people on for Torch Helps, and we talked a little bit about what that was like. And it's a unique thing. And I think what's cool too is it's grown to not only support the Huntsville community, but to also support the offices where you have locations all across the country. It's not just Huntsville, which is amazing to see. It's one thing to get back to where the headquarters are, but it's another thing to get back to all these local communities that are also benefiting from Torch, which I think is awesome. Thinking back when you were in school and you were doing your careers prior to Torch, when did that first itch to even own your own company come about? Or did it only come about when Bill made that opportunity or reached out to you? Was that the first sort of thought of maybe I could own my own company? I had thought about it before, but I didn't have the confidence to move out because I had a family and I didn't want to jeopardize that. I was doing okay. Mm -hmm. But actually, I give credit to Bill. He gave me an opportunity to do something that I was hesitant to do myself. And I have a great admiration. I admire Bill greatly because he is willing to take risk. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's a good businessman. I was technical guy and I learned a lot from him. It was a good thing. I think we complimented each other very well. Yeah, I think just as much, if you would have asked Bill, I think just as much as he, you probably admired him and his ethic to kind of help you help with the business and just being able to take that jump, he probably admires you for a lot. I mean, he obviously reached out to you because he admired what you were doing in your career and wanted you to be a part of this too. So I think it definitely goes hand in hand. 
Yeah, I think so. I think we're good friends. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of this podcast, too, is just to kind of help inform a little bit of the younger audience, younger employees here at Torch about the ESOP, about this culture you've created. If someone in their 20s at a college is joining Torch, it's maybe their first job at a college, what sort of advice would you give them or what sort of thing would you tell them of why they should stay at Torch or a lesson that you learned maybe later on in your career that you wish you would have known earlier on in your career? Pay attention. Watch what the other employees are doing and how hard they're working. And I think we have a fairly happy workforce. Yeah. Just be patient and pick up on the culture and buy into it. Yeah. Because it's the correct culture. It puts people first. And that's the most important thing in any endeavor in life are the people. For sure. Having you come on and talk a little bit about your story and your perspective, I think it helps. It helps people understand the culture. It helps people understand the history. I think there's so much value in conversations like this right? because I think it can easily get lost. It's one of those things. It's this whole idea of the keeping the dream alive. I think it's Bill typically ends our episodes with challenging the employees that it is up to them to keep this dream alive that you and Bill had. What does that statement mean to you now as it's up to the employees and this dream and all of that? Well, it is. And I think we've done a good job in growing the young folks into management positions. And I think we have a crew coming up that sincerely wants to keep the culture going. It's hard. Definitely. The bigger you get, but you got to pound that. That message needs to be understood and promoted every day. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that's the culture at 10 to 15 employees, it was a growing culture, and it's what supports the 1,100-plus employees you have today. Right. And it's gonna what's going to propel the company to be even bigger down the road. It's what's going to be there to help the company be successful 20 years from now when we're celebrating 40th anniversary of Torch. Right. And I think it's incredible just to think about your journey with Torch. I mean, from those conversations with Bill at Rolos to accepting his offer on the way to Alabama football game to then now seeing Torch at 1100. I mean, that's just incredible to think about. It is. I appreciate you spending the last few minutes kind of just talking to me a little bit about your story. I was really looking forward to this episode. I think this is a lot of fun. I love doing this. I think if anyone's listening and they want to find out more about Torch and look at the careers that are available or just find out more about the company and more about the culture, you can visit our website, torchtechnologies.com today. But yes, thank you again, Don, for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. And I look forward to your rest of your retirement. And I continue to look forward to the success Torch is going to have for years to come. But thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and stay connected with us on social media for news and updates surrounding the company. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it. 